just read nice and loud for me, please. Um, I want to talk about putting on the whole armor of God. And um, something that should be familiar with all of us. I don't think I'm going to give you any new information tonight. But just by way of uh, encouragement to all of us, that our responsibility uh, that we have as, as children of God to make sure that we're, um, we're covered from head to toe and we're ready for the fight. We live in an interesting day, don't we? And uh, some of the crazy stuff that's happening around us, and we thought, boy, we would never see this in our lifetime. Uh, so now more than ever, uh, as we think about these things being covered with uh, the whole armor of God, to help us get through these difficult times. But there's, of course, there's nothing new under the sun. Those men and women who belong to Christ who were before us, they, they suffer quite a bit. Now, Paul is in, uh, in Ephesians 6 here. He's in Rome. He's in a prison uh, talking to the church at Ephesus, which is uh, the modern-day Turkey. Interestingly enough, it's a Muslim country. Now, 2,000 years ago, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, in that church, and that still applies today. Isn't that amazing? The the things that happened 2,000 years ago are still applicable today. And one of my favorite sayings, again, is uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, people change, relationships change, but there's always issues or always problems in a society. Ephesians 6, the whole chapter, talks about relationships, children with parents at the very beginning, parents of children, slaves to owners. Now, we don't have that anymore, but you have a worker-employee relationship. And then Paul ends up this chapter with some instructions uh, for our Christian's life, for our Christian life. And it is a life of battle, and we, we, we battle every day uh, against sin and the power of darkness, and it wars against the soul. <clears throat> well, in Sunday school this morning, talked about the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, excuse me. Uh, it's, it's, it's singular. We, we have to have all of those things together. And as we talk tonight, we have, to have, we have to be dressed from head to toe in the whole armor of God to be successful in the Christian life. Uh, it, of course, it is a battle of darkness. We're in a war, uh, or in a battle, excuse me. Christ won the war, right? So we're, we're just trying to get to the to the other side uh, as, we, as we fight our battles every day against the powers of darkness. But Christ has prevailed. He, uh, Revelation 5, um, in fact, the last time I spoke, maybe in Sunday school, I talked about uh, the Lamb has prevailed. So uh, victory in Jesus. I, I love that song. We will prevail and his people will prevail for all of eternity. In the meantime, uh, we have to get ready for a good fight. Christ said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Coming from Christ himself, boy, let us take great courage to know that uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. Um, I'm going to try to be brief in this next area so we can hit our main topic. There's some different, we, like I said before, we live in a different world in America. Um, just some few statistics. I do like uh, to read about statistics and what's going on in our society, how demographics change. Last year, 2021, 
4,500 churches, plus or minus, uh, went out of business. 3,000 started, so that's a net loss of 1,500. Uh, the decline in church attendance, this is the first time ever that, excuse me, church membership has fell below the 50% mark in the United States. 28% of um, young people are not attending, excuse me, the churches are aging and younger people are not attending. 28% attend regularly. And uh, Ken Ham wrote a book a while ago, and I don't know the name of it, talking about how kids leave the church. And unfortunately, most never come back. And all we can pray as parents is they're going somewhere, they're getting fed, they're in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. So if these things sound discouraging, we shouldn't be discouraged. So why do we continue on? Well, first of all, um, we serve King Jesus. Uh, two weeks ago, we saw Chase in uh, Louisville, and we went to a, a Baptist church, and the pastor was uh, speaking out of Revelation. Um, he kept referring to Jesus as King Jesus. And we talked later on, Mission, we like that. I, I like, I like that, that word. Uh, in 1 Timothy 6.15, Paul, again, writing to Timothy, talks about he's the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Um, so if we keep that in mind, you know, the discouragement uh, should be temporary to know who's battling for us and who our king is the one who has prevailed. And also, why do we do what we do? Because we're required to. We're required to gather together. Ray spoke some time ago about, uh, you know, committing ourselves to church. And I can just think of the first verse I thought of as Hebrews 10, 25. And forsaking not the gathering yourselves together, which is the manner of some. And I think that's an encouragement to us, even being in here tonight. By the way, thanks everybody for showing up. I said that when I told Ray when I walked in, I said they should never announce who's who's speaking. <laughs> so when when the Kevin's gone, what is it? When the cat's away or the, the mice play. So thank you all for being here tonight. And finally, we're required, uh, according to Ephesians six, ten through eighteen, to fight the good fight. It's not an option because we've already been given the gift of eternal life. We've already given been eyes to see and ears to hear. We have salvation. We, we have been given. We've been, uh, we, we're, we're believers. We belong to Christ. So we're going to do what Christ expects us to do. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us these, uh, these things to, to put on and to fight with. How to be successful in our, in our Christian life. And again, it's, I'm not saying it's easy. No more than the, the fruit of the Spirit. I'm reading some of those things this morning. I'm thinking, wow, I'm doing a poor job. Um, before I forget, I want to give a, a notice to John MacArthur and uh, Frank Gobling. Uh, this commentary I bought years ago was a set of commentaries when I was at Westwood Baptist Church. That's been almost 40 years ago. And it's an expository Bible commentary. And, of course, John MacArthur is incredible. So I took a lot of what I'm saying tonight from them, so I want to make sure I give them credit. We're engaging in the battle. um, And we're going to win the war because God promised we're going to win the war. But in the meantime, Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God. It's a call to arms. It's believer's warfare. 
verses 10 to 13. It's uh, basic truths in preparation for battle. If uh, anybody watches a Sunday football game or a Saturday football game, there's a pregame meeting, and they discuss preparations for the game. They go over their plays from the week. They make sure everybody's on the same page. They put together a, an offense and a defense. And I think that's what this is here. Uh, it's, it's a telling us what we must do. I'm not going to read those again. Josh already read those for them, so we're just going to go down through here. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Those are from two verses in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and then uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Some, just some instruction for us that goes along with preparing ourselves to put on the whole armor of God. Strong, steadfast, unmovable, abundant. Those are wonderful verses. And then in verses 14 through 17, Paul gives us uh, six pieces of armor that are necessary for a successful warrior. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the boots of the gospel, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. In verse 10, we see the first word. It says, finally, uh, or here is what's left to do. After all his instruction in the book of Ephesians, uh, he's made it to this final point. Here's what you have to do from this point on. Strengthen ourselves in Christ, in the power of Christ. And this is the same power. Let's remember what happened uh, at the resurrection. The same power that has been given to us is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's the same power that gives us new life. And it's the same power of Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's Christ who gives us strength. Verse 11, we see, put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word uh, put on is kind of interesting. Um, put on the whole armor. It's the, com- the complete attire. Romans 13.14 says, Put on Christ. Uh, Galatians 3.27 also says, uh, put on Christ. Colossians 3.10, put on the new man. And then uh, also in Colossians, put on as the elect of God. Um, So we have a responsibility to put on. And then Deuteronomy says, neither shall a man put on a woman's clothes. Oh, I don't know how that got in there. Isn't it interesting, though? Um, this is the kind of stuff we're battling. So Moses wrote 3,500 years ago about men putting on a women's clothes. Here we are today. It's crazy, isn't it? Did you think we were still discussing this? I've read, read a thing this week. Um, this, this older lady, 80 years old, she's at the YMCA. Remember what the YMCA stands for? Young Men's Christian Association. And after she gets done swimming, she's uh, showering off and getting the, the chlorine off of her. And she turns around. There's a man standing in the shower with her. 
she runs out and she gets the director of the, the YMCA and she says, there's a man in the shower. And the director of the YMCA says, you're a bigot. What's the problem? Guess what they did? They banned her <laughs> from the YMCA and they said, never come back. We do not like your values and standards. You, you don't represent our values and standards. Here we are, you know, 20 or 3,500 years later, and we, we're, still fighting these, we're still fighting these strange battles. And we'll look at that just a little bit later. Putting on is not an option. It's a command. If we're going into battle, it requires complete dress. I don't know if anybody here, how many of you play baseball, but I was thinking of a major league catcher, anybody who's a catcher. You got a face gear, you got a head, uh, a hard thing for your head, keep the top of your head, face mask, you've got a glove, you've got a um, chest protector, and you've got shin guards. And now there's a new device that goes underneath the, it's a flap that protects your Adam's apple. And that was come up our years ago. And, uh, but it's always funny. Everybody, every little boy, maybe every little girl that plays softball wants to be a catcher. Until you're given the opportunity to be a catcher, then they don't want to be a catcher. <laughs> we had one little boy, and his mother said to him, Billy likes to dress up. He wants to be a catcher. So I said, okay. She kept hounding me. I said, put Billy behind the plate. He put all the outfit on and chased through him a fastball. Billy never was a catcher again, even though he was completely covered. This is a good analogy because if you're, a, if you're a catcher in a baseball in a major league game, you better be covered. You better be covered from head to toe to protect yourselves against, number one, a fastball if you miss it, a foul tip, and that's what we're required here. It also tells us in this verse uh, to stand against the wild. We're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's a, uh, it's a position. We get to hold our ground against the determined hostility. The wiles of the devil, it's a scheme of Satan. He's clever. He's crafty. He's methodical. And, and when I saw this uh, word methodical, I thought of my Uncle Dick. Uh, he used to use that word because it's a, to be methodical, you have, you've studied, you're studying something. You're calculating you're, you're spending a lot of time observing something. By the way, when we see, hear the word methodical, what do you think of? What religious organization? The Methodist. And he would always refer to the Methodists as the methodicals. So something interesting. Satan is the ruler. He's a demon. He's the host of, he's, he's an evil host. He's the god of this world in, in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. He's the prince of the power of the air. Um, he wants to obstruct the gospel, wreak havoc. He wants to get into the church and cause false teaching, snaring parishioners, taking down leaders, 1 Timothy 3, 7. And this is happening all over the country, by the way. Um, it's all these reports of within the Southern Baptist and some of these other uh, mainline denominations about abuse by pastors that has been washed under the washed aside or put under the covers for years and now it's coming out hundreds of men hundreds and hundreds of men who have fallen prey to these uh, to these evils and the devil has got into the churches and ensnared these pastors my goodness you take a pastor down in the church you know you, you take 
someone who holds the door open on Sunday mornings. Okay, we can get somebody else. You take the pastor down, and you're going to hurt a church. It's hard to replace a pastor, and that's what's happening. And Satan has no more has no more fun for him than take a pastor down. And again, it's happening all over America. And Jesus said in um, 8:44 of John, does somebody have that? Ty, do you have uh, 8:44? Would you read that, please? Yeah, this is this is Satan, and this is the one who wreaks havoc upon the lives of believers. This is why we have to put on the whole armor of God. Verses 12 and 13, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, powers, rulers of darkness and high places. And this is where we get to the nuts and bolts of this whole thing. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you'll be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all that you can to stand. And there's that word stand again. I think it's used three times in these passages. Nothing about sitting down, nothing about relaxing. You're taking a stand. You've positioned yourself for the attack. You are ready. You are prepared for the battle that's going to be against you and the battle that you're going to be participating in. We just don't stand there and get clobbered. We've got a responsibility to to fight back, but we'll get to that later. Wrestle not. This is hand-to-hand combat, very powerful. Uh, He's an unseen force that we are against, principalities, powers, Rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places, exercising sinister powers. And I want to stop right there and say it's limited. It's limited because in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, Christ says, I have all authority. So as we go through this and we do wrestle against this very difficult situation, and the sin that, that approaches us. And Satan is powerful. He is powerful, but he's not all powerful. And as I noted, Christ has all authority. He has limited authority. He, what does he desire? World control. Um, John MacArthur, with these, with these verses with, uh, about uh, spiritual wickedness in high places, he said it could be uh, depraved, abominable activities, extreme sexual perversion. And by golly, what are the day and age in which we live? And it maybe was the same thing that happened in, in Corinth and Ephesus. And did you ever think that we would be talking about men wanting to be women and women wanting to be men? I, I never in my lifetime. I experienced it myself. I had a man sitting across from me for six months. He, was, he worked for me, and I kept saying to him, get your hair cut, Homer, get your hair cut. Found out later he was turning into a woman right in front of me. I never thought in my whole life that I would see anything like that. But this is, this is, the, this is the power of, of the, the demons who possess people. 
And then we have politicians who are right behind them pushing them, saying, we all need to accept this, and if you don't, you're a bigot. There's satanic worship. There's satanic worship clubs and schools that I've, I've read recently. And another reason we must be prepared to stand against these evil things, completely dressed. This is our responsibility. Satan is, it's a diabolical battle. And how better than have the armor of God and ultimately done all that we can to stand and having overcome uh, and won the battle. Did I give somebody 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10? So Satan is talked about as a a roaring lion. And usually when lions roar, they're hungry. And uh, when when he's seeking to uh, walk around as an adversary, walking is deliberate and calculating. He's not running. He's walking, thinking, looking, stalking. He wants to inhabit even believers. And we must put on the whole armor of God so we can stand against the wiles of the devil. 14 through 17 gives us the equipment required for us to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth, breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, above all the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The loining, girding yourself with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and this is the third time that Paul uses this term, stand, take a firm position. Uh, also important attire um, for, the, for the soldiers, the belt of truth, when you put on a, a gurney or a, a garment that was loose, the belt of truth pulled everything together, just like I have a belt on tonight. Uh, it keeps my pants in one place. Same thing here. You gird it up, and you're ready for the next thing to take place, and they put on the, the breastplate of righteousness or the breastplate, and then they put the sword, which holds the belt holds the sword. So everything has a reason uh, to everything in this armor you have to put on for everything else to work. Uh, and this is the reason that we, we have these things. Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah 11, verse 5. Right, you have that? Isaiah 
So there we see an Old Testament uh, verse talks about the belt of righteousness uh, and faithfulness is the sash around his body. Here we have the, uh, the belt tied tightly around the waist to keep the tunic or the overgarment from moving around, gird up or uh, preparation for the, uh, for the battle, gird it with the truth of God's word. Who has First Peter 1, 13 to 15? Did I give that to anybody? Well, I don't. We'll read that for me, please. to to gird up our loins and, and preparation, be sober. Uh, then we have the breastplate of righteousness. It covered the soldiers uh, from the neck to the thigh. Um, I almost was going to bring Ty's body armor tonight, and uh, we kind of talked about it and laughed about it, but that's, that's what it is. I mean, it covers your heart and your, your lungs, and, of course, it's not covering your back. And as a soldier, you're looking straight ahead. If you get in the back, sorry about your luck. Um, but you're looking straight ahead. You've got this breastplate that covers these integral parts, these very important parts of our, of our body, especially our heart and our lungs. If, if, <laughs> if we don't have those, we're not, uh, we're not good for the battle. And the Lord himself uh, put on righteousness of, the, of like a breastplate, uh, Isaiah 59, 17, the helmet of salvation on his head. Again, the heart protector, the keeping the inner thoughts and desires protect us, protect it, helping us stand, helping us do good, helping us in our issues, being people of integrity, being people who have a good reputation, being people who deal uh, fairly with others. And again, covering this, this important part of our body, and it says, if you, you, you believe that with all your heart, what do you believe with all your heart? Do you believe that we should have be people of high integrity, of good reputation, fairly and dealing fairly with others? And I think that is uh, what the breastplate of righteousness or breastplate of truth, how we should live, making decisions, good decisions. And um, in our house, we talk about decisions. Everything in life is a decision. Maybe very few examples of mistakes. Everybody said, I made a mistake. No, you didn't. You made a decision. Decisions are, you either made a good decision or you made a bad decision. What's going to be your guidepost for making good decisions? Hopefully, it's the Word of God. I think that is our instruction as believers. For us to have that is our, uh, is our guidepost. And then verse 15 talks about uh, preparation of the gospel of peace and having your feet shod with the preparation. These were, Josephus described these shoes as thickly studded with sharp nails to to do two things. In the battle, you have a sure sure footing. If somebody wears cleats or spikes in baseball, or if you wear cleats in any other sport, for good footing so you can turn quickly 
so you can make your maneuverable, but you're also steadfast and you're firm in your footing for stability and fighting and for moving over rough terrain. And I, you know, the, the, I'm not going to give you the history of the Roman army, but they moved a lot. They were always on the move, and you had to have good shoes uh, to walk up terrains that were less than um, uh, good for people if you were just had no shoes on. So it gave us an opportunity. It gives us an opportunity to be steadfast, but also prepare us to move. The gospel of peace is God's good news that that Christians through Christ now have peace with God. If you don't belong to Christ, you do not have this gospel of peace. And I think it's our responsibility as believers to try to take this gospel of peace and share it with others. We have confidence that divine help, we, Christ will deliver us to all believers, that we have a divine hope and confidence that uh, we will succeed. Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? Believers are assured of a sure foothold because of the gospel in our battle of life. God is on our side. Romans 5.8 said, and God demonstrated his love towards us that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And again, I love that verse in Romans 8, 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? If we've been given those feet uh, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we have been given peace and our responsibility to go and tell others. And then verses 16 and 17 uh, above all the shield of faith, which shall be able to quench the fiery, fiery darts of the, the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I have all these little side notes, and, and I think I'm going to miss something. Uh, if I do, I apologize. But the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation was a large shield that uh, apparently protected the soldier um, Almost his whole complete body, of course, he didn't cover his head. Uh, I did a little research, and most Roman soldiers, we always think they're these great big strapping guys, but the grunts in the front were maybe five foot to five foot two, five foot three. <laughs> they weren't very big, so these shields were easily able to uh, to cover them. They put all the big guys in the back, so um, if you're a little guy, sorry about your luck. It protected the entire body. And this trusting in God and his word is absolutely necessary to live, deliver us from temptations. These fiery darts, the diabolical missiles, and this shield not only deflects, but quenches the fiery darts of the evil one. And then the helmet of salvation covers our head. Isaiah 59, 17 talks about the Lord wears the helmet of salvation. It protects us from a, uh, our, our head being attacked uh, by the devil. How does that happen? The devil puts in our mind questioning, uh, putting doubt in our mind, causing us to question our salvation. And I would suspect everybody sitting in here at some point, we, we've, you know, unless you're a super Christian, you, you've come to that point in your life and you're, you're saying, is, am, am I really, is this what it's really about? Is this what it's really about? And if Satan can put doubt in our minds, that's why we take the helmet of salvation, because we do know 
that we cannot lose our salvation. Christ says in John six thirty seven. Did I give that to anybody? Thank you. Yeah, so we can't, we, there's how we cast doubt aside. Christ himself says, I'll never cast you out. You belong to me, all that the Father has given to me. The head is our, our, our brain and our control center. And I just wrote a little note here. No soldier is any good fighting without a head. So we got to have our head protected. Philippians 1.16, one of Kevin's, one six, one of Kevin's favorite verses, he who be going to do good work in us, We'll be faithful to complete it until the day of salvation. I'm going to wind up here quickly. Uh, the sword of the spirit, this was my favorite part. Um, and it's described as a, uh, a sword from a Roman soldier, a small weapon, 6 to 18 inches long for close encounters. Uh, it's both used for offense and defense. You know, if, you, uh, if you're on guard and, and hit the sword of somebody who's coming after you, or you use it to ram it in their throat or ram it in their stomach. Uh, so that's that's the word of God. And just a couple of verses, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is powerful, sharp. It discerns our thought, our intentions. It performs open-heart surgery on us. It's our only weapon of offense. It penetrates to the bone and marrow, marrow, marrow of our souls. That's deep. That's deep. And this sword of the spirit, Isaiah says, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. This is God's divine utterances, his speech. Uh, Uncle Dick used to say there was the Women's Missionary Union at Wetzel Baptist Church. You remember that? Anybody remember the Women's Missionary Union? And he would always use the acronym, and uh, it was the mind, will, and utterances of God. That's how he said, that's the Bible. He would use the acronym for the Women's Missionary Union to describe God's word. What is God's word? It is the mind, it is the will of God, and it is the utterances of God. What a better place for us to daily uh, to dive into God's word uh, and to protect ourselves. It is the power of salvation, Romans 1.16 says. And it is scripture, the words of scripture to repulse Satan, Christ himself, in Matthew chapter 4, every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. This is the, this is the sword of the Spirit. This is the word of God that we've been given. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. I'm going to look at that and read that myself. I'm almost done. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That is the word of God, that we may be thoroughly furnished unto all good, all good works. We must use it. We must read it. We must apply it. This is our best and only hope for successful Christian life, our victory in Jesus. Put on the whole armor of God that we may have done all that we can to stand. May God help us. Ray, would you dismiss us in prayer, please?